Hi, I'm Dr. Pat Basu, host of Focus on Cancer, the show where we answer everyday questions about cancer and cancer therapy. Today, I'm extremely excited to welcome Dr. Arturo Bonilla to the show. Dr. Bonilla is the Enterprise Director of Clinical Research at Cancer Treatment Centers of America and also a world-renowned expert in uh, cancer clinical trials. And uh, we are extremely excited to have him on the show. Dr. Bonilla, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. Well, thank you for taking time from your busy schedule to be here. Uh, you know, we had a lot of momentum uh, going into the COVID-19 pandemic uh, with uh, cancer clinical trials, which is really the foundation of bringing new life-saving therapies to bear. And uh, I'm, I'm certainly concerned about the, the pause, the, the halting, and, and the diversion of resources away from cancer clinical trials during this pandemic. Um, but nevertheless, very excited to, to get your insights and expertise on, on clinical trials. But let's start with something uh, kind of broad and basic. Just tell us and our viewers, what is a clinical trial? Yes, and that's a very, very important question because uh, many of our patients and, and the viewers uh, probably have heard the term, but they're really not familiar with what really entails. So uh, clinical trials are ways uh, or methods of studying new drugs that are coming from the bench side, you know, from you know, the animal model, to uh, the forefront to serve our patients. So it's the way we get drugs approved uh, that are currently available. So any single treatment option that is currently available for cancer and for any other kind of disease has go through the very rigorous process of clinical trials to show efficacy, safety, and the opportunity for patients to understand what's the right dose and the uh, intended benefits uh, uh, that come with each one of these uh, treatment options. So, so is the way of the future is the way we are managing uh, cancer now and how all these innovations are coming uh, to the clinics uh, through these uh, uh, clinical trials. So Dr. Bonilla, just to go deeper into that for, um, you know, for patients who might be uh, listening, is it safe to say that most therapies today at some point in the past went through a clinical trial and most therapies in the future um, will also go through that path? Absolutely. So, and, and that's right on point. Uh, as you know, in the United States, we have the FDA, which is the you know, Food and Drug Administration, and the agency uh, that uh, gives the go or no go to things to come to the market to, to patients, etc. So every single drug that you have heard from, even from aspirin to the most advanced immunotherapy or CAR T cell, uh, has gone through this clinical trial process. Uh, so we can know exactly how the treatment works. And, and you may have heard now at the age of COVID about vaccines and why it takes so long from them to develop, even though we expect things to happen within less than a year, which is absolutely, you know, uh, like unheard of. Um, we are still need to testing these vaccines in patients. So they have to be from the phase one, which is very early stage to all the way to the approval. Uh, and that's how it comes to the clinics and to get access to the general public. Got it. Thank you. And 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 I know that uh, you know you just went through sort of that definition and and really covered the benefits of clinical trials. Uh, you know, I I certainly think that it is a critical component of uh, not just the battle against cancer, but against so many other diseases. But can you outline again for our audience? Uh, you know, what would you sort of characterize are the the top benefits of clinical trials? 
Yeah, so clinical trials uh, are good for a number of reasons. Uh, of course, the first one is uh, we're advancing science, and that's how we know uh, if a treatment works or not and if it should be used. Um, the other benefit for a cancer patient is that they may get access to a drug that is very promising, but it may take years to become available commercially, so you want to get it now. And being part of the clinical trial allows you to get the treatment earlier. Um, not only that, but you have an extra layer of support. Uh, for us to really have a clinical trial open, we need a very uh, well-organized and dedicated team of physicians and research coordinators. And that's an extra pair of eyes taking a look at your case, making sure that you are well taken care of and you're well treated uh, in terms of you know safety, efficacy, checking up on you. Uh, and uh, also is a way to pay it forward, right? Anything that gets benefit from this treatment only helps you, but it's gonna help future generations of patients just like you once those drugs are available commercially. So uh, it has a number of uh, benefits that are not only personal, but also to society as a whole. Well, I definitely have spoken uh, to many patients who have benefited from exactly some of those things that you mentioned, uh, getting therapies earlier than um, than they would have, uh, that led to you know to life saving treatment, uh, as well as those benefits of of having an extra uh, care team around them. Can you maybe give me a, a story of a of a patient that? would really, you know, bring it home as an example of a patient that that was benefited from a clinical trial in the cancer arena? Yeah, so well, so many examples of those uh, responders to treatment. Uh, but one that comes to mind, and I think was also the subject of uh, a recent article that you uh, uh, wrote with more and more remark about in Scientific American Magazine, is uh, the case of Len, uh, Len Archer. Uh, he became a real advocate for clinical research because of his own experience. Uh, he is a former firefighter. He was ready to enjoy retirement and live, you know, his best life uh, uh, with his wife. And he was hit with the diagnosis of uh, a stage four uh, pancreatic cancer, the same one that, you know, Alex Trebek from Jeopardy and others have suffered from. And we know it's a pretty devastating diagnosis and there's uh, really a lot of need for research. So a lot of our patients get into clinical trials. When he uh, saw me, we decided to do um, uh, biomarker testing. So looking at the DNA of his cancer and found something that is uh, was called high tumor mutation burden. Uh, that means that there's a lot of typos in the DNA of that cancer. And the more typos, if you activate your immune system, you can make the body fight the cancer on its own. In his case, he had a very high number in that TMD. We start the patient on, uh, on a new therapy treatment option uh, and um, in just a matter of a few weeks, he had what we call a complete response to treatment. And it's over two years now, and he's still alive well, uh, with no evidence of disease, and uh, able to live his best life, as, as we spoke. And uh, not only that, but a couple of weeks ago, we actually have an FDA approval for the same indication that we're talking about. So uh, if he had not joined a clinical trial when he did, he may have not the chance to be next, to be um, uh, you know on this drug that saved his life, and now he's taking the lives of many other patients because now it's commercially available. So it's always a great story to to tell, and and hopefully more to follow. Yeah, it really is. I, I thank you for that. I had the privilege of of meeting Len, uh, remarkable uh, man and uh, remarkable story, and you're exactly right. Uh, you know, 
I think one of the things he told me was, you know, because of, uh, well, frankly, uh, you know, he mentioned you by name and, uh, and also just the idea that the clinical trial allowed him to get a treatment, you know, two years earlier than, than other, you know, than the rest of society would have. And that's a remarkable thing that we would love to have for our patients. Um, it, it's, it's one of the things that motivates me so much about this is sometimes we think of clinical trials as this, uh, this research aspect or the numbers, but when you think about an individual patient uh, being saved, it's, uh, it's very powerful and, uh, and very inspiring for me. Um, you know, Dr. Bonilla, I tell a lot of patients that every single thing in medicine has benefits and has risks. And we talk constantly about looking for things where certainly the benefits, you know, clearly outweigh the risks. That being said, obviously, tremendous amount of benefits to clinical trials. But um, what are what are some of the risks of clinical trials? Yeah, so in everything in life, there's a balance, as you mentioned. And um, we know that uh, even though things are promising, um, not necessarily everything happens is the way we intend to. And that's why there's a rigorous in, you know, having the close follow-ups, et cetera. Uh, so, uh, one of the things that can happen is unexpected side effects, right? So uh, we always follow the, the profiling thing. You know, you may have, you know, diarrhea or you may lose your hair, et cetera, with certain drugs. But once in a while, uh, in a low percentage of patients, there may be the unexpected side effect that, that makes the patient either drop from the study or uh, being unable to um, uh, get the treatment on time, et cetera. So uh, that's one of them. The uh, other concerns patient may have is, you know, I'm being the guinea pig. Why are you giving me this? I'm going to get a sugar pill or, you know, water on my infusion. And uh, something that has changed, and I, I wanted to clarify this for the audience, is that in cancer, um, uh, the use of placebos have really has really fallen out of favor over the last decade. Uh, most of the clinical trials that are currently available, they're using a standard of care plus. Basically, you typically know what you're getting. It's just the clinical trial is the conduit to allow you to get another extra drug that make uh, things better. Uh, and typically, you know exactly what you're getting and not in a full, you know, description of the of the things that are in the protocol will be will be talked to you before you even sign up. So. So, so that's interesting. Let me just kind of go a little bit deeper into that. So if a patient is getting drug A and there's a clinical trial on drug B, you might add drug B to drug A, but um, to what extent might that reduce the, um, the efficacy or the ability to determine whether drug B is really helping? Um, you know, might there be interactions between the two drugs? Can you kind of speak about um, you know, that, that sort of A plus B versus drug B versus a placebo. Right. And, and that is all based on the design of the trial. So, um, and I think just to uh, go a little bit uh, before that is about phases. So there's different phases in research. Uh, so there's phase one, which is you're just finding the dose uh, of the drug. Uh, you're looking for efficacy. You're just trying to make sure that it's uh, safe and you find the right dose. Phase two is you already know the dose. You're trying to look for overall safety and some signal in efficacy. Typically, it's a single arm. That means that everyone gets the same. Uh, and it could be the combination that uh, plus, you know, A plus B. And the phase three clinical trial is when you're ready to prove that it's better than the currently available options. Is that, And that's when you make the differentiation. So 
you already know the, the safety profile of the combination in the phase two. So when you're going to phase three, you're just trying to show the clinical benefit, which is a combination, you know, the totality of evidence that includes not only the safety and tolerability of the drug, but also the, the positive outcomes in terms of, you know, shrinkage of the tumor, what we call response rate, or prolonged survival, which we call PFS or OS or overall survival. So it's always uh, a very, uh, very judicious, rigorous process, and, and that's why we should do research always, because that's the way to guarantee that everyone's going to get benefits. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. Uh, that. That, I think, um, really helps clarify that. And to sort of zoom back out for, for a moment for our, um, our patients, they, uh, you know, I think they've now have a, have a better understanding of what a clinical trial is. Uh, the risks and benefits, the phases, but walk us through the process. How does a patient um, find out about a clinical trial? How do they, you know, get get accepted on that clinical trial? Can you give us some more insight into that? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the rationale why it's so hard for patients to get into clinical trials. Uh, if you look into cancer specifically, uh, between three and five percent of patients with cancer actually ever enroll in a clinical trial. And, and that is because it's, it's not an easy task, it's challenging, and there's a lot of missing gaps in information which we're trying to solve. We, we really need to inform patients about it. So uh, the first thing is, okay, you get diagnosis of you know, advanced cancer. Um, we have a trial open, let's say, in my office, and I sit down with the patient and say, well, we have the standard of care option, and there's also a clinical trial that includes that, but maybe there's a chance for you to get an additional drug that may help you to boost your, your, your outcomes uh, or, or getting better results. Um, and sometimes it's also based on a biomarker. A biomarker is something that we measure in the blood or we look into the tumor itself. It may tell us that maybe there's a drug that we can use to attack that specific weakness that we find on the cancer. So. Uh, we uh, have a very long conversation, typically about an hour with the patient. We, we explain every single detail of the protocol of the clinical trial. We have the research coordinator coming in to uh, sit down with the patient, and then uh, the patient signs consent. So that's called basically consent form. Once that happens, then it happens the screening. A screening is basically going through the protocol and making sure that the patient fulfills all those strict criteria that are part of the research component before you actually get the first dose of, of, of the drug. It takes about one or two weeks in the most cases. Uh, what we're striving here at CTCA is to get that process actually fairly quickly. Uh, we try to get it in less than a week. And we also pre-screen the patients so that before they even show up in our door, we already have the clinical trial reviewed and ready to offer to the patient so they don't waste time as we're doing this. Uh, and once everything has been vetted, et cetera, and all the check boxes have been done, then we have the patient to come into the clinic and we start and then research ensues. Um, so it, it's, a, it's not a straightforward process uh, and it requires a motivated patient, but the thing that we're trying to accomplish now is to use technology to help us solve that. Maybe doing a pre-screening technology to help patients match the clinical trial right away. And when the patient shows at the door, they only need to just sign the consent. They already have information on the trial and they can make an informed decision in a quicker fashion and also helping the sponsors running the studies, understanding that how can we 
you know, shorten those gaps and getting everyone involved in research because it's the way to help everyone. It's a win-win situation. It is. It really is a win-win situation. And I know, uh, you know, from a, uh, a physician's perspective and a societal perspective, we just need to find a better way to continue to improve, you know, more matching and and uh, and getting more patients who, who can be uh, helped by clinical trials onto those trials. So I'm going to come back to that in a moment, sort of the, the future and, and some of those things. But let's talk about the, the present uh, right now with this foundation that you laid uh, for us on clinical trials, Dr. Bonilla. Obviously, the world uh, and and certainly our cancer patients and, and all of us have been uh, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic for the last several months. What impact has that had on clinical trials um, in, in the past several months? Right. So um, COVID-19 has had a major impact in research, um, of course, not only uh, for cancer, uh, but also for COVID as a disease itself. Um, what we saw is a trade-off. Uh, so cancer research uh, took a major hit with many uh, clinical trials uh, being put on a halt because of you know, patients being in lockdown, uh, patients' inability to come to our clinics or preferring rightly so to stay at home. Uh, and also because of disruption in you know, uh, global supply chains and sponsors telling us to stop the clinical trials for accrual uh, for the time being. Uh, in exchange, we saw a significant uptake on the number of therapeutic clinical trials for COVID. So looking for new treatment options for patients with COVID, very ways to diagnose them, and, uh, and also a new number of clinical trials for vaccines. So uh, we have seen, uh, once again, uh, a major disruption happening in the space, and uh, uh, that will be uh, you know, resonating and, and have an impact for a number of years from now, and hopefully we can recover soon. So Dr. Bonilla, is, is it safe to say that during the COVID-19 pandemic that resources have been diverted away from cancer clinical trials towards more COVID-specific research, whether that be uh, trials specifically or even just you know, the search for a vaccine? Uh, yes. So all of the sponsors now are focused on COVID-19 research. Um, so if they had something happening for other disease types, et cetera. They put a hold to many of them uh, and change priorities. Other things that are happening is that, um, you know, when they were not thinking about COVID, they may even think about competitive landscape, maybe just, you know, there's a, uh, what we call a, a Me Too molecule, which is similar to another one that is commercially available, but they still wanted to run the program and see if it worked. Uh, they stopped that completely, and now uh, if they have a vaccine or a molecule that is really focused on COVID, they put all the resources on that and put a hold on all the things happening. So uh, certainly a major shift in priorities that uh, is probably here to stay until we get either the vaccine or a pretty good therapeutic. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, that is, uh, it's, it's disappointing to me to hear because I absolutely, as I've said before, I think COVID-19 is a very, very serious pandemic. Uh, and obviously something that, that warrants our attention, warrants our precautions, warrants our safety. Uh, but at the same time, you know, for me, uh, it's also important to continue the battle on cancer and not take our eye off of it. And as I've said in the clinical realm, we have to continue to 
to, to fight and care for our cancer patients. I would argue that in the research realm, uh, you know, we have to make sure that we do that the same. If we, if we pause on these clinical trials, I think it could be, um, it could really have a, an effect. Could you maybe paint for us a picture if we were to reduce or, or halt cancer clinical trials, what might be the result of that three or four down, three or four years down the line, maybe less, less cancer, you know, new cancer therapies. Can you kind of show us my, what might be the consequence of this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we know for sure that if we hold a clinical trial now, uh, first, um, we are missing the opportunity for many patients to get access to these drugs. So uh, we have an immediate impact on, on current patients uh, being involved. But uh, this is an exponential uh, you know, shock after this. So the, uh, the fact that we are holding all this research uh, for the, the next six months to a year, uh, it may take about three or four years to fully recover and get back to uh, the trap we wear. Uh, it not only affects you know, new drugs, et cetera, but also new biomarkers and new approvals because everything will be in backlog, right? So uh, even them going trials that were ready to finish accrual, they're, they're having a hard time. So I can even imagine a small biopharma or companies that have very promising molecules, but they don't have the budget because they go into bankruptcy or they don't have the resources to spend it further. That's gonna be felt for, for a number of years now. And hopefully we can improve that, but it's a challenge. I, I agree, yeah, I think it is a challenge and, and I agree that hopefully we can improve that. Uh, along those lines, let's uh, let's talk about sort of hope for the future and and improvements. What can we expect on the horizon? What what are some of the uh, kind of the bold innovations um, or uh, new technologies or, or processes that might uh, improve or change the clinical trial landscape in cancer in the years ahead? Uh, yes, yeah, so, and that's what gets me excited about every morning when I'm trying to, you know, check for new emails or like, are you interested in joining this clinical trial? It is because of those innovations. So first, starting with, you know, immune therapies and 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 all the new drugs that are currently available, but um, the things that are really making a change and a, and a dent in, in in research is finding um, these CAR T cells or, uh, you know engineering uh, those cells are doing gene editing using CRISPR technology to make uh, the those immune cells way more active against cancer. So uh, we're learning now uh, of new what we call like off the shelf. Basically, you don't need to get uh, your own cells extracted and trained to uh, attack the cancer. We can just take, you know, someone else's uh, cells that get expanded and you can use it on your own, uh, like taking a pill. Uh, in making it fight the cancer on its own. So uh, that's a remarkable thing that I feel is gonna change dramatically the way we treat cancer. Uh, and the combination of uh, new drugs, uh, looking at the known the DNA, but also what we call the packaging of the DNA, that's called the epigenetics or the epigenome of, the, of that. And linking it with new technologies for detection. Uh, so, uh, we here at CTCA, we have a, a couple of programs for, for liquid biopsy and doing uh, uh, detection of, can of cancer earlier uh, or looking at very specific alterations in the bloodstream that are key to either finding recurrence or finding the cancer on a, uh, right away by finding those mutations. So uh, that's a lot of the excitement happening. And lastly, the use of technology to accelerate those developments by using digital tools 
wearables and software that helps match patients or helps them to get treatment, even maybe at home or other. So things that we're learning every day. That's really helpful. I, I share your uh, your enthusiasm about uh, clinical trials and your optimism for the future in terms of what they may uh, and will represent in terms of, of better uh, therapies to fight cancer and save more lives. Dr. Bonilla, I'd, I'd now like to transition to some of the specific questions that we've received from patients. Uh, we have several here, and I just want to pick some that I, I think uh, you know we can get to. The the first is from a patient who asks, I keep hearing the term personalized medicine, but I'm not exactly sure what it means. Is this a cancer treatment approach or something applied to patients overall? Can you talk a little bit about personalized medicine? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and that's actually a, a new topic and a very close to my heart because that's what we do when we do uh, uh, biomarker testing, but also when we're looking at the patient as a whole. So it's a little bit of both, right? So personalized means that it's really focused on you as a patient, as an individual with all your humanity and characteristics. So it's not only about the cancer type or the biomarker that your cancer has uh, based on X testing and the drug that works for it, but it's also about you as a human being, as an individual. What are your social determinants of health? What are the things that make you different or what are your current situations that uh, make it into consideration when we're doing a clinical trial or when we're giving you a standard of care. So it, it's really a way to make it individualized and tailored to you uh, and uh, only to you to make it really effective and, and meaningful. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you. This is a question that keeps coming up, especially as, as the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, continues to, to escalate in different regions around the United States. Uh, this patient wants to know, uh, should she put off her upcoming mammogram? I would say it depends uh, on what kind of mammogram we're talking about, right? So if, uh, if you have an average risk uh, and you're just getting a mammogram uh, as a follow-up that because you had one done maybe a year ago, it's okay to wait for maybe a, a month or so or something like that for screening. However, uh, you don't want to put it off forever because there is always a chance that we may want to detect this earlier before it becomes a problem. If it's a mammogram because you just got diagnosed with a mass in your breast, you shouldn't put it off at all. You should continue your workup for your cancer and make sure that anything that you need to get done for the cure is uh, performed in a timely fashion. So it, it's, it's all about communicating with your doctor. Just call us. We can do telehealth visits. We can uh, discuss with uh, anyone involved so you get the right care and there's no delays in your treatment because that's important. Thank you. Th this patient has a question um, that says, a friend of mine was talking about a big trial that he just joined, and it was the second time that this patient had heard about it. It's called TAPUR, T-A-P-U-R, and he said it had something to do with existing using existing treatments in new ways. Can you tell me more about this TAPUR trial? Yeah, so TAPER is a very large study uh, that is uh, uh, what we call a basket trial. So a basket trial means that you are not put on a treatment specifically based on your tumor type, but you are put on based on the biomarker that your cancer has. So if you have, um, you know, biomarker X, you get into, you know, arm A uh, and, and vice versa. So there's basically... A uh, very large clinical trial, which is very personalized, focused on the biomarkers of your tumor. 
Uh, that clinical trial is open in uh, many studies uh, across the United States in many places uh, and is run by the American Society of Clinical Oncology, which is the largest uh, society for oncology in the, in the world. <laughs> and uh, we are uh, participants of TAPER. And actually, Len, that we spoke earlier today, he was uh, uh, part of the trial. He's uh, still a part of the trial. And uh, he joined the pembrolizumab arm, which is the one that is for high TMB uh, patients. So uh, it, it's uh, it's something that you need to uh, check first for the biomarker, but if you have the right biomarker, you can get access to those drugs uh, uh, in a different way and, and hopefully better outcomes from that. So so that's what TAPER is all about and happy to discuss further. Please tell us to communicate with us. We'll be happy to uh, have a conversation about the clinical trial. Terrific. And, uh, and, and one more patient question here. This patient writes, I've heard a lot about fast track FDA approval especially when it comes to ongoing research. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about fast track approval, what, what that means? Is that something related to the COVID-19 pandemic or is this a general FDA process? Uh, yes, great question. Uh, very informed question actually. Uh, uh, the fast track designation is a way for the FDA to get uh, quicker approval compared to the standard one. So the standard one requires you know of phase one, two, three clinical trial uh, and to prove the benefit over many years, which could take you know six years or, or more. Uh, and the idea here is that with data from enough patients, which is the predetermined based on the, on the you know, uh, disease type because it's not only for cancer, um, then the FDA may say, we see enough good results from a phase two clinical trial and we'll grant you approval now so patients can get access to this very promising drug. Uh, however, you have to prove in a larger trial after the, uh, this approval that I just gave you, it's a kind of conditional approval, uh, and to make sure that we continue that formal or full approval right after. So it, it's a very uh, interesting and novel way to get access to drugs to patients when they have a rare tumor type or a rare biomarker or they, uh, it's a really unmet need. So uh, we, we're interested and excited to explore these uh, uh, studies further, but it's a very uh, uh, novel way to get access to these drugs, and I'm happy that we have that uh, pathway available. Outstanding, thank you. Uh, I'd love to conclude with any advice that you have for patients. Uh, yes, absolutely. So something I tell every single one of my patients is uh, empower yourself with information, be your own advocate for, to understand uh, the treatment options ahead of you, uh, including clinical trials and new uh, options that are, are for you, not only for uh, testing, but also for treatment. Uh, I always say, let's leave now sudden turn. Uh, the way we manage our patients, which is the mother standard of, of, of care, it means that we are looking at them as if they're our family. And uh, one of them is, I want you to be in a clinical trial. I want you to get tested uh, for these biomarkers because if you find them, we can have a difference in the outcomes. So always uh, be informed and uh, let's find ways to collaborate and research. Um, I have no concerns about my patient going across the street to another investigator to have a better trial. And I try to do the same and, and have them come back when the time is right for all of them. So it's a matter of collaboration and uh, always have to make sense to you. You have to be well informed and uh, always uh, talk to us because we're here to help you. So. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Bonilla, thank you so much for uh, coming out on the show. 
I know you're incredibly busy with, uh, with clinical practice and uh, leading uh, clinical research and clinical trials. So very, very grateful for you spending your time sharing your expertise with us. Uh, very, um, as I mentioned before, very optimistic about uh, the future and, uh, and a huge proponent of what clinical trials means uh, in, the, in the battle against cancer. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, hashtags clinical trials. <laughs>